Hello, everyone, and welcome to our New Year podcast for leaders of color. Today is our first episode that we're recording in December 2020 for the new launch in January 2021 when you're listening to this. And we're so excited to go back to our biweekly posting instead of the sort of scrappy once a month, every few weeks that you've noticed for the past few months. We're back at capacity now, which is great. And so today we are joined by the folks from GEM, which is Girls Empowerment Movement. And we're joined by Supriya, Kaminda, and Nikita. Supriya is one of two directors of multimedia and communications at GEM. She graduated from McGill with a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and also holds certificates in public relations and government relations from U of T and Seneca College, respectively. As someone who has lived and worked in Peel region, she is passionate about issues such as affordable housing, youth votership, and women's representations in politics. She is thrilled to be a part of GEM, and as it continues to provide an empowering space for youth in Peel to develop their skills and build lifelong connections within their community. She currently works as a communications analyst at FSRA, and in her spare time loves to play soccer, watch Netflix, and try out new recipes. Kaminda is GEM's co-director of community collaborations and advocacy. She is a Zambian-born health equity advocate and a graduate of Laurier's Public Health Program, Honors. She has focused her studies on the relationship between race and health and developed an undergraduate thesis reporting on the prevalence of HIV amongst African, Caribbean, and Black women in Ontario. She is currently a project coordinator using photo voice and health promotion principles to improve the health and social outcomes of newcomers in the region of Peel. She's also passionate about working to improve upon the lack of Black representation in public health research and resulting health and social services in Canada. And last but not least, we have Nikita, who is the Organizational Development Director at GEM and has been involved with the organization since 2013. She is dedicated to providing opportunities for professional development within GEM while supporting its mission to empower young females in the Peel region. Nikita previously completed a Bachelor of Science majoring in Kinesiology and Health Science at York and a Master of Teaching from U of T. Nikita is committed to youth engagement and equity and hopes to continue facilitating opportunities that enable them. Her love for working with youth has led her to become a high school teacher. Thank you so much, all three of you, for joining us. We're so excited to have you today. And I'd love for you to just introduce yourself so folks can hear your voices and and recognize who's speaking. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on the podcast today. It's really exciting to be here. And uh, we're excited to talk about some of the work that we do at GEMS. And I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yep, this is Kaminda here. Thank you again, Sarisha, for having us on the podcast. Uh, Looking forward to having a great conversation with you today. And likewise, this is Nikita. Uh, Very excited to be here. This is one of my first podcasts being interviewed on and so excited and looking forward to it. Amazing. So I I always start off our podcast with just figuring out what folks have been up to because it's a very complex, depressing, happy for some people, isolating for others time for everybody right now with COVID. It was just announced in Ontario that we're going into lockdown starting on Christmas Eve. So it's quite a lot. And so I'm wondering if you have been reading or watching or listening to anything that has been able to keep you a little bit engaged, anything that you have recommendations for for our listeners? Oh, let me jump in first. Um, <laughs> I've been on Netflix. Netflix and I have been um, best friends during this quarantine. Um, <laughs> I just I just started watching a show called Blacklist. It's so good. It's so like twists and turns, action. Like it, it's a really good show. 
Yeah, and on my end, Supriya here, I wanted to talk about Crash Landing on You, which is actually a Korean drama, but it's so awesome because it kind of depicts what life is like in North Korea, which we don't get much exposure to in the media, but it's also like this romance comedy kind of show. So I love that it's got the intense political elements, but also that lightheartedness as well. Yeah, myself, uh, similar to Kaminda, I've been just been watching Netflix and actually rewatching some of my favorite shows. So uh, bouncing between Supergirl and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, guilty pleasures. But um, yeah, definitely some positivity in this somewhat depressing time. Yeah, I totally feel that. And those are some great suggestions that I will probably also (laughs) check out. So if anybody else is interested in getting a little bit of joy during this time, check out those options. So tell us a little bit about the organization that you folks are involved with, what it is that you do, and why you're here today. Definitely. So I'll take a stab at this. So in terms of Girls Empowerment Movement, we started back in 2013. Linda and Annalisha are the co-founders, and Linda's currently the executive director, so she's still with us and still providing such great mentorship and leadership within the team, as well as uh, in terms of the projects that we've been a part of. But in terms of GEMS itself, our main goal is to cultivate community-level skill-building opportunities. Uh, and in that, some knowledge sharing and safer spaces for youth, including young women and gender di- diverse individuals in the Peel region. And the aim is that we hope to take on an intersectional, feminist, anti-oppressive, peer-to-peer approach in our work. And that's just fancy terms for essentially having folks within our team, as well as other community members and organizations involved within the work that we do, and leveraging that to provide cost-free opportunities for other youth in our community. So what do those, some of those cost-free opportunities look like? So this can range from anywhere from conferences and workshops. And in terms of skill building, these can range from anything from like financial literacy, physical literacy, supporting environmental sustainability, or um, we've done other events related to cooking as well. But yeah, so it really ranges and, and it depends on which project or initiative we feel is definitely more prominent or needed within the community, as well as what our passions are with, for that year. Amazing. And how do you determine what needs are required in your community? How have you been doing some of that community building and research, I guess? I think one part of serving the community is just having a good understanding of the needs and the people that we're looking to serve. And especially as as people who on the team on GEM, we kind of represent the youth, right, in terms of demographics and that sort of thing. So the programs that we put in place are in relation to things that we have, we identify as issues, whether that's also in our like our private work. So based off of that and, and the research that we do, we're able to come up with some solutions to kind of meet the needs of the community. Yeah, I'll just add in as well, like from a communication standpoint, we kind of see what people are talking about online, what kind of events and things they've attended that they find really useful. And with some of our past events, you know, what's really had that traction. We had a lot of registration recently for a grant writing workshop. So just trying to reflect like what the community needs or something that would help them enhance some of their skills and things like that. What has been sort of the switch with with COVID? Uh, Have you seen the needs change or had to adjust in any way in order to meet new needs that have arose? Well, I think firstly, obviously, everything is now being done virtually, right? So we can't have any programs in person and and that sort of thing. So we've had to adjust even our team meetings as well. We're doing that virtually. But yeah, some of the needs that we've seen come up, I think it's like the general trend that we've seen in terms of 
folks experiencing things like homelessness and food food insecurity. So these are some things that, that we've seen come up. Some things are in the works in terms of how we're going to, to address that. But definitely COVID presents itself as a unique time and, and unique set of challenges for, for folks. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of organizations, I think, have had to pivot online, obviously, which is great that you've been able to do that. Have there been barriers to the way you've had to adapt at all? I don't know. And Nikita, maybe you can chime in because you were there last year. But for me, as my first year, like everything has been online so far, and it has seemed pretty seamless. Even like the the grant uh, writing workshop that Supriya mentioned that we were able to do online, we were able to get registrations and get folks to participate online. So that was that was quite seamless. And I think that's, um, you know, just this time of the year where we've been, you know, working from home and, and what have you for you know, nine months at this point, everybody is, you know, with the program of getting on Zoom and what have you. So I would say it's, it's been seamless so far. But I don't know, Nikita, what, what would you say? Has there been a difference from last year versus this year? Most definitely. Um, aside from like, you know, obviously, our in person meetings and our events, I think I, the biggest difference comes down to building those authentic relationships, at least for me, personally speaking, I really do value meeting people face to face. I think as humans, you know, that's how we build relationships. And even as a as an organization, that's how we build connections with others as well. And, and I think we are definitely losing out on that. However, we really are trying to leverage those online platforms to kind of meet that barrier or that challenge rather. But um, yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest differences. But I do think that we're trying to make the most of what we have and, and the current situations that we're in, as Kaminda mentioned. So it's good to hear that, you know, the transition has been great. And, and for folks that are new on the team, that it's been so seamless. So that's definitely good to hear. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a total testament that youth work and youth engagement work that folks are doing, and in particular that young people are doing, has been seemingly easier for us to transition online, mostly because of the level of digital literacy that we all have. But then also this idea of a lot of the work innately being online too is something that I've noticed and seeing young organizations and organizations run by young people and racialized youth in particular for me, for example, has been so cool because some people are just like, oh no, I have no idea what to do now that everything is online. Like we have no capacity. We don't understand how to transition, et cetera. And we, and then we can't meet the needs of the community, but young people have been stepping up and taking that place. And I think it Mm -hmm. demonstrates this sort of like the whole social media doesn't do anything. And like all the digital stuff is, is not what's needed and has like amplified that it is needed, which I think has, has been good for young organizations, which is fantastic to hear that your work has been so seamlessly transitioned. So that's a great positive, I think. What motivated you to start doing this work in the first place for each of you? Well, for me personally, I came across the opportunity to join GEM in the summer. And I I wasn't really familiar with the organization beforehand. But after doing a little bit of research and seeing some of the interesting events that GEMS has taken on and led, and just the fact that, you know, Linda, our executive director, started this organization in 2013. So it's been sustained over time, which is not an easy thing to do with a youth-led group. So seeing the impact that it's made on the community and how it engages youth in Peel region, it was just really inspiring for me. So, you know, I took a stab at applying and, you know, trying to be a director at GEMS. And I'm really, really fortunate to have been given this opportunity because it's, it's truly been a uh, labor of love at this point for me. Thanks, Supriya. I would say for me, the the opportunity to do like community work is is very important for me. I think a lot of change happens at the grassroots level, and I think 
it's one thing to wait for policies and governmental changes, but if there's something that can be done, you know, at the at the ground level, that's something that I'm always looking to be involved in. So when I saw the opportunity, similar to Supriya, I, I just kind of jumped on it because I was like, you know, this is an awesome cause to to support girls and, and female identifying folks and non-binary folks in the region, especially youth, right? It, it can feel so confusing, you know, you don't know where to go, you don't know where to access services, and you want to have leadership opportunities, mentorship opportunities. So I figured what a better way to, to give back than to, you know, spend my time helping and building up this organization. And likewise, similar to Commandant Supriya, like I jumped on this opportunity the, the second I found out about it, which was, can't believe I'm saying this seven years ago. It feels so long ago, to be honest, but it was at the event ceremony for the grant recipients of what used to be United Way of Peel Region. My group was receiving the funding for another organization. And so there was Linda and Annalisha talking about GEMS. And I realized while sitting there listening to them that I wanted to be a part of their initiative. Just hearing about what they were about and and considering that I had wished I had those opportunities myself really pushed me to want to be a part of their team and, and just be a part of the initiative and have been a part since then. And I've really seen how this organization has grown and changed over time, which I think really speaks to how motivated each of us are in the work that we do and why we still choose to be here as to how important it is to us and, and what we get out of helping those in the community. Absolutely. It sounds like the work is so meaningful and, and such a passion for all of you, which is great. And the longevity and sustainability that you've been able to provide being there for so long is also just like, I I totally get what you mean by creating this initiative that has been longstanding as opposed to something that is just a one-off and done, which is great. We talked a little bit about COVID forcing people to adapt and and maybe adapting sort of the needs of the constituents that you have. But what have been some other challenges that you face during this work? When you're serving um, marginalized communities, it's it's really important to to take a step back and just kind of consider folks as different social locations and you know how we're going to be able to to be inclusive of their needs and their identity. So for example, we have to be, if we're saying that we're an organization that's for girls and femme identifying folks, non-binary folks, racialized folks, we have to make sure that we're creating an an atmosphere that is welcoming for for people who identify as such. So I think that's one of the challenges is just making sure that organizationally, and Supriya Nikita can back me up on this, that we're equipped to actually do the work that we want to do and like serve the communities that we want to serve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I echo everything Kaminda says. You know, we have to make sure that we are being conscious of who are who are we trying to serve and how can we best serve them. And I think even just as an organization that's youth led and completely volunteer based, we try to, you know, leverage our networks. But as people of color, we might not have the same opportunities or entryways into the same kind of networks that others do. So, you know, trying to build the profile of GEM, trying to expand awareness for what we do can be difficult. And sometimes it feels like, you know, we're a little bit at a standstill. But I mean, things are changing and we see more people reaching out, trying to help, you know, doing shows like this would help raise a profile of gems. So it's slowly, slowly changing. But, uh, you know, we hope that we can bring more awareness to what we're doing and get more people on board as well. 
And so the challenges that you've been facing, have you noticed if they're more systemic or I guess leaning more towards your specific organization or have there been systemic challenges that being racialized folks that pushed you to have to do more work? I think understanding the the systemic challenges that these communities that I mentioned face has pushed us to make sure that, you know, we're removing as many barriers as possible. So we want our events to be a place where, you know, Black trans women, young girls can come and be comfortable and learn and have opportunities and be involved or for non-binary folks to come. So it's it's understanding that these things happen at a systemic level and we don't want to perpetuate the, the barriers that we see. We want to make sure that we create a space where free of as many barriers as possible, as much as we can, to be that safer space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so often I think like it's hard to almost do it yourself all the time too. And yeah. so you folks have a quite a large team, I understand, mm-hmm. compared, compared to us, for example. Mm-hmm. What does that teamwork mean to you and how does that support network help you continue to meet these challenges and overcome them? I think it, in terms of the work that we do, it can feel pretty isolating at times. Mm-hmm. And then having this large team where we have a team of nine directors and 10 coordinators and coordinators are in high school and the nine directors that I mentioned are generally uh, in post-secondary or are now working. And, and yeah, it's, it's really empowering to have a group of strong women and, and you know, people of color behind you and, and beside you to support you in the work that we're doing and to also share uh, experiences and be like-minded in the work that we do. It, I think it, it can be a really empowering experience. So not only are we aiming to create those opportunities for others, but in being a part of this group, I think creates an empowerment for ourselves and each other. Yeah, really well said, Nikita. I just add as well, like our coordinators, they're so awesome. You know, they're in high school dealing, you know, with classes and everything, but they never hesitate to take things on. They're really open to learning and growing and just helping out the team and the directors and supporting us as much as they can. They're really, they're really rock stars. Like I I have, you know, so much admiration for the way that they step up and the passion that they have for GEMS as well. Absolutely. And I think being able to work with younger youth as well is something that is sometimes rare for youth-led organizations or, or youth-run organizations just because there's challenges, obviously, with, with being minors and, mm-hmm. and having parental permission and all these things. And mm-hmm. so being able to navigate mm-hmm. that is super uh, encouraging, I think, to, to encourage young people to get involved regardless of their age. Mm-hmm. What has been some of the most fulfilling parts of the work that you do? Oh, man, that's <laughs> that's a great <laughs> question. I think for me, as the community collaborations and advocacy uh, director, for me, it's been being able to partner with some awesome folks who have been supporting us. So we did the grant writing workshop with Rising Youth, which was an amazing time. We had one of their staff come on to lead that workshop. We were able to do some anti-racism, anti-oppression training with uh, Ellen Okran, who works for the YMCA. She's an anti-Black uh, racism facilitator. Um, and we also had some support from Ama Gamfoa from Women's Health and Women's Hands, who helped us uh, d- direct an advisory board that we'd like to start up. So I think it's really, it's been really great to get some wisdom from people who have you know, done the things that that we are looking forward to doing, um, supporting us in that way, and just encouraging us and saying, like, 
listen, you guys are doing an awesome job. You guys have a great thing going here. Like, keep going. And these are the tools that you need. So for me, it's partnership is just, you know, it makes the journey so much sweeter because we can't do this work, this type of work on our own, right? We definitely need collaboration is important. So that, that would be the best part for me. Yeah, for me, you know, everything that Kaminda said, and also I just wanted to, you know, highlight we launched a sort of mentorship program thanks to our organizational development team this year called GEMSHIP. So the directors and coordinators uh, are engaging in this mentorship program. And it's so exciting and it's so awesome to have these discussions with our coordinators mm-hmm. about, you know, all the different topics like self-exploration, post-secondary education, and just having an open and honest discussion with them. Personally, as my first time working with youth, I found that really fulfilling. I've never been a mentor before, but, you know, it goes both ways. They are teaching Mm -hmm. me so much. Mm -hmm. And just seeing the skills that our coordinators have, like I never had those kinds of skills when I was in high school. So I'm so happy that they, you know, are taking initiative and um, being a part of something great. Uh, You know, it's only positive for everyone involved. I'm so happy to hear both Kaminda and Supriya's responses because, yeah, like there's so much fulfillment to be found in, in partnering with others and, and working with coordinators. And, and you're right, there's there's so much reciprocal learning that's going on there. And, and I guess really to sum that up in, in a short sentence is it's the most fulfillment of, that I'm able to get from this work is being able to create an impact. Mm-hmm. Now, whether this impact is with what's, with just one other person, whether that's my coordinator or my fellow co-director or, or, or a stranger in, uh, in, in the community, I, I think it's so meaningful and impactful to have that Mm -hmm. connection and to be able to have that impact in whichever respect, whether if it is, you know, an experience that they've never had before or learning something new or a conversation where they really felt heard and seen, I I think is definitely why I've also chosen to become a teacher, but um, also why I've continued to be a part of GEMS. I love that. I think all of those are incredible ways to have impact and be able to have some fulfillment from the work that you're doing because so often I feel like doing community work and working particularly racialized folks and racialized youth working in our communities is because we didn't have access to something. And so we want the next generation and the folks after us to have access to things the way that our parents most likely wanted us to to have more than they did. And so I think that that cycle is something that is really important to continue carrying on in order for us to, to be able to make some form of cyclical change and, and bring our communities uh, hopefully to a, a different level when it comes to the access to opportunities that we have. So what are some of the opportunities that are available for young people to get involved in with your work? We know right now is, is obviously Christmas time when we're recording this and, and winter holidays for folks. So there might not be anything at this moment this week. Uh, but yeah. upcoming in January when this is released, what are the plans that you have for the new year for your 2021 sort of engagement and programming? Is there anything we can look forward to? Yeah, so we are, you know, working on some projects for the next year. We don't have specific dates as of yet, but I know we do have a Greenfold project coming up sometime in 2021, um, which will talk about sustainability and food security. 
We also just launched a podcast actually ourselves, which is really, really exciting. Our first episode came out today and our podcast is called Gems of Life. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the whole team worked on this and, you know, we're operating within a grant. So we had to work on this just for December. So it was a real big time crunch, but everyone stepped up. So it's Gems of Life and we're on a number of streaming platforms, including Spotify. So definitely check us out there as well. So what is Gems for Life about and and how did you figure out about starting a podcast and and wanting to go down that road? What was that like? Yeah, so uh, Nikita, correct me if I'm wrong, but having a podcast was something that Gems was kind of discussing for a while. Definitely. Yeah, (laughs) it was was a long-term dream, I guess you could say, but we got funding for the month of December to launch this through a City of Brampton grant. And as part of it, we had to release two episodes before the end of the month. And so the first one, like I mentioned, it just came out today, but what our series is focusing on moving forward, the first one was more introductory, our episodes moving forward will highlight women in the workplace, particularly their experiences navigating, in some cases, male-dominated professions and things like that, just to hear about different industries, how women operate within them, and the everyday lived experiences of women's journeys getting into these kinds of jobs and sectors of employment. You mentioned that you got funding from the city of Brampton to be able to do that. What has been your approach to working with decision makers and being able to have them support the work that you're doing? I think that's something that a lot of folks are hesitant to do sometimes. They they don't know that their their local city governments or their municipal governments have opportunities for them to get funding or get engaged or create events, build projects. What was that like for you guys? Yeah, um, I don't blame the hesitation whatsoever. It, it's, it's, again, as a youth, it's really easy to forget how much agency and power we sometimes have. Uh, but really some researching can really go a long way or, or even asking questions, hopefully, to you know, folks that are uh, here to help. So Advanced Brampton Fund is, is an opportunity from the city of Brampton. And you know, there is, a, of course, depending on which grant you're applying to, the relationship that you have with the grantor will be unique and different, and as, as well as the needs that they have and likewise the needs that we have that we're proposing with the project idea. We've had quite a few years uh, under our belt in terms of experience uh, with application writing. However, there are so many opportunities for folks out there mm-hmm. that, you know, if they should they need help in completing those grant applications, there are folks such as uh, gems ourselves we recently had a grant writing application workshop so these workshops can be really helpful for folks who are are new or uh, looking into applying for funding uh, and definitely leveraging those opportunities is important because the more knowledge that you have going into these applications the more insight that you have and how to navigate the questions and and provide that certain language piece that sometimes these grantors are looking for to be successful in your application Yeah, I think that's incredible advice. I think often we're not aware of the opportunities, like I said, that exist to get some of this formal training. And that's something that we try to do, again, with Leading in Color is that peer-to-peer knowledge sharing. And so for anybody who's interested, maybe there's upcoming grants that you want to write to, but looking out for those grant writing workshops is something that can be really helpful in securing some funding because we know that funding is not readily available for young people. It's not readily available to racialized youth in particular. And it requires quite a bit of 
preparation and and isn't really accessible oftentimes it's it's more inaccessible than not and so yeah i think that that's incredible that you folks were able to engage with that in a way that was positive and and successful for you congratulations on that (laughs) thank Thank you. you and so maybe i'll jump back to some of the other upcoming projects and opportunities that you have available yeah, so like Supriya mentioned, our Greenful project, which uh, should be launching in the spring of 2021. So it'll be focused on food security and environmental sustainability. So there's there's a lot of aspects, depending on what, what COVID is saying <laughs> in spring 2021. <laughs> we would have liked to do something like a community garden and that sort of thing and educate the youth about sustainability, the environment and, and food. So we'll see we'll see how our plans align in terms of that. But that's the main thing that we have coming up. Wonderful. And where can people find more information about GEMS? You can find us on our website, which is peelgems.com. At Facebook, we're Peel Gems, and on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, we're also on LinkedIn. Just search in Girls Empowerment Movement, um, and you'll find us there. And where can folks follow you three if you're, if you're interested in gaining a little bit more of a following <laughs> and to check out the work that you're doing? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. My Twitter is at Supriya underscore Kalarai. Yeah, definitely follow me on Twitter if you want some political commentary. (laughs) And I'm only on LinkedIn, so you won't find me on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. So if you just search in my name, Kaminda Musumbulua, M-U-S-U-M-B-U-L-W-A, you will find me there. You can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn, Nikita Chohan, C-H-A-U-H-A-N, or on Twitter, nchohan24. Feel free to send a message happy to have any conversation. Wonderful. I think folks will really appreciate getting the opportunity to learn more about what you're doing individually and as well as with with Jem. I'm thinking about some of the other folks we've had on the podcast in the past year and wondering, I guess, what has it been like for you to do this work together? And so I know we mentioned your team earlier and having quite a large team, but the opportunity to sort of develop community and build capacity is something that I think is really important for racialized folks, in particular racialized women and non-binary folks and gender diverse people. What has your experience been like in developing these communities, not only for other people, but but for yourself and, and building that into your careers and into your community engagement? What has that looked like? I'll speak to this in terms of gems, at least. I think this really speaks to why we have an organizational development team, which I'm one of the co-directors of. Considering we have grown so so much and we'd like to continue building capacity within our team, we really do hope to leverage and create opportunities for our own growth, whether that be simply learning how to navigate Google Drive, and you'd be surprised how complicated that can be, (laughs) honestly, (laughs) or or even just providing anti-oppression training, which, again, thank you, Kaminda, for mentioning that, like, really you know, hoping to address some of the gaps that we have within our own knowledge and, and, and recognizing that, first of all, and hoping to address it effectively and learning how to, with, you know, whichever mistakes that we, or feedback that we have, learning from that and, and applying it in our future opportunities. And uh, as well as uh, the mentorship program, which Supriya mentioned, uh, is something new. This is the first year that we've launched this, and it, it really is hoping to bridge the gap that we have such a large team, but we have such a wealth of knowledge and mm-hmm. experiences that each of us bring mm-hmm. So let's like let's provide opportunity to to highlight that to showcase it uh, within our teams within like so essentially we have four different teams community collaborations and advocacy multimedia and communications organizational development and then programs and initiatives and so each team has two directors uh, and then two or three coordinators so it makes for a really like it can be a very siloed yeah. organization a siloed entire team so we're hoping to bridge that with this mentorship mm-hmm. program. 
to support within team conversations and dialogue as well as between teams. So I guess that really goes to speak to um, how we're trying to navigate having such a large team and, and building capacity. Mm-hmm. And I think building capacity in terms of mentorship is something that's so important because I, so the other day, a friend of mine actually asked me, she was having a meeting with her mentor and she was like, oh, like what questions should I ask her? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't have mentors. I've never really had mentors. Mm-hmm. I like, I don't have access to mm-hmm. that as a, yeah. as a person from my background. And, and she, she was a friend of mine who, who is white mm-hmm. and, and comes from a different sort of life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I wish like these opportunities were available. Like I don't have a mentor to go and talk to mm-hmm. about my for career. Sure. And so looking at developing that now for young people in Peel, I think is incredible. I, I lived in Peel as well for a little bit of my life. And so I'm familiar with the dynamics mm-hmm. there. And so that I think is such a testament to a need that you're filling, which is amazing. Yeah. And something that racialized youth in particular really, really need access to. And hopefully some of that mentorship look, looks like folks <laughs> who are representative, obviously, of the community, which is wonderful. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So before I let you folks go, it has been wonderful talking to you, but we always like to end with our segment, How I Would End Racism. So as young leaders of color, we're constantly actually trying to end racism or at least reduce the harm that it causes both to ourselves and to our communities while we fight in multiple capacities to end it. But imagine if we could do so instantly. So in under a minute, pitch your funniest and most creative way that you would end racism is, is what our segment is. So would Thanos snap his fingers and all of our problems? <laughs> um, that's my, that's my favorite go to, but anything, anything goes. So I'll, I'll leave it up to you to decide your order. And I'd love to hear what your pitch to end racism is. I can go. I, I, I think we made a team one, but if you guys want to add in Kaminda and Nikita, your, your own. Okay. Um, feel free to oh, go for it. Maybe you can present your team one and then individually if, if something sparks your creativity, yeah, go for exactly. it. Exactly. Um, so I went a little black mirror with my idea and basically implanting some kind of chip into everyone's brain so that whenever they have any racist, biased, prejudiced thought, it kind of shocks them. So we got some like psychological conditioning going on. And in order to deter that shock, they'd have to confront those internal biases and slowly and surely, hopefully not have those thoughts anymore. And society's perceptions in general would change. And um, maybe that would weed out racism. Not sure. I might pitch that episode to Black Mirror. It always has a bad ending. So I don't know. But that's what I came up with really quick. I love it. It sounds like a shock collar for racists. Exactly. I'm, I'm done. Hey, if people want to use it on animals, then I, why not use it on racists? Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would take um I'll take a page out of COVID's book and um and create a virus an anti racism <laughs> virus, but then okay well you got to listen to the, the the chain of transmission of the virus so okay so firstly right we'll take over Tim Hortons because you know Canadians love them they're <laughs> double doubles so then whoever we'll put that we'll put that little anti racism situation virus in the in the double doubles right but then after that it's airborne. So that's how the rest of Canada is going to get that uh, anti-racism. Gotcha. You feel me? You feel me? Right. Yeah, okay. yes. <laughs> I get it. Listen, if our, our Canadian cultural identity is built around structures of capitalism, <laughs> like, why not Why not use them to spread the anti-racism? Exactly. An alternative maybe even is, what if we created an anti-racism vaccine? Ooh, Do you think we could just shock people that. into like 
injecting no, 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 no. In you know, normal things to them. There's <laughs> anti-vaxxers. I was just gonna say. Oh. I was just gonna say. All of a sudden, it's an anti-racism vaccine. The anti-vaxxers are gonna quadruple in number. So. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> I love how well thought your both uh, your ideas are. Like I did not like I'm, I'm all for supporting this, but honestly, my first thought when I read this question was that you know the Bollywood in me was just like yeah, sing and and, and dance the problems away. <laughs> Let's go. So like I don't know how creative that may be or effective, but hey, you know it, it, I know it's fun. So the, the 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 Bollywood in me is really just saying yeah, let, let's just you know. For white folks, you know, musical, but yeah, for, for us brown <laughs> folks, we'll get Karen to make a movie. Yes, show come pull through. We all love a good song and dance. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness! Can you imagine if we could do a Bollywood dance to rid ourselves of racism? Wow. I'd do it. Wow. I would so love dead. that. Yes, I'd be dancing all yeah. the time. I know. We'd have to get rid of half of Bollywood though. So. Oh, <laughs> yes, sure. unfortunately, the colorism um, is real. <laughs> homophobia the i'm watching everything now happening and and with the farmers mm-hmm. protests and yeah anyway yeah. that's for another day. oh yeah different <laughs> podcast different podcast that's a whole different, other podcast, different podcast. <laughs> um, but yes those are fantastic ideas cool thank you so much for joining us those are all hysterical ideas and i <laughs> am very here for them all it's not the first time we've had a, a black mirror episode pitch so maybe black mirror should start sponsoring us <laughs> <laughs> yes honestly <laughs> Okay, we're too small for that. <laughs> you never know. But if anybody's interested, we've had pitches on Black Mirror. Hit us up. Mm-hmm. We got we got it here. Uh, all credit where credit is due, obviously. Yes. <laughs> but thank you so much for having us. I'm so excited to see what you folks do in 2021 and how we can be involved and be supportive. And look forward to, to seeing how your mentorship program in particular pans out, because I think that's such an amazing initiative and something that is definitely needed in the region. So wonderful to have you. And, and thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much, Sarisha. Thank you so yeah, much for, for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate yeah. you. It's been awesome. It's been great. Thank you.